0: Cool. So today's guest is Billy Mays the Third. What's up, y'all? What's, What's up, up, bro? So for everyone listening, uh, tell everyone who you are and a little bit about your background. Hmm. <laughs> um, I'm a musician, and I
1: perform locally and somewhat nationally uh, as my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania.
2: Oh shit! Represent? Yeah, that's where he's I'm from. from for real? <laughs> Yeah. No way. Hell yeah.
1: yeah! When did you? When did you? Uh,
2: I moved to Florida there? when I was like ten. But my dad, I moved here with just my mom, so I would always go back in the summer, the winter, all year long. Nice man. Yeah,
0: all my yeah. family still lives there. Cool. Yeah, me love too. It there. I love Pittsburgh. Hell yeah! yeah. It's awesome nice. there. It's too cold though. <laughs> yeah,
1: it can be. Um, yeah, I moved down here when I was eighteen for college. I went to Full Sail in okay. Orlando, which is like a I don't know. Like yeah, I looked into going there track. actually yeah. way back in the yeah. day. So I went for recording arts and entertainment business. Yeah. And I had a bachelor's degree by the time I was 20, which I I find to be kind of useless. But yeah. I never I never had to tell anyone that I had a degree to get work or to do what I do. But it was a good experience. And then I sort of moved over to the Tampa area when I was 20. And I was, I've been here ever since on and off, you know, with a little bit of travel in there and touring
0: how did you get into making music and doing what you do I remember so I think one of the biggest things that hit me which I thought was like a a really good introduction to who you are was the actually the full sale video that that you did and you talk about the first album you made in 2009 and and you talk about like
1: another day is here and you're ready for it What to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: You know, your relationship with your family and the process of making that album and how uh, did that? point in time kind of like kick off where you are now yeah is that kind of like a
1: turning point for you yeah i kind of look at that as the the like the launching point i i had actually made other albums uh that i didn't really release in any capacity Mm -hmm. when i was in high school i was making albums on like the most primitive gear Mm -hmm. and like eight track digital recorders and guitar and i had no knowledge of what to do but the one thing that i felt like i did intuitively was One, songwriting like instrumental songs and two structuring those songs into albums like with, with I always feel like I've been drawn to the like the sequencing of tracks on an album. Like that's something that I'm just like super passionate about. And when I'm listening to music, I'm I feel like I'm always taking in the information of why they started with this song and why this track three is really strong and the arc and you know what they say for the end and I'm always thinking like that too for my stuff so I was always doing that and then by the time 2009 came around well that was that was a big year for me anyway in life that was I had lost all of my gear all of my music gear everything I owned in an apartment fire in February of 2009
0: wow in Orlando No. Is um, this when you're going to school? No, not when you're going to school?
1: No. This was... I was... I guess I had been over here for about three years, maybe, and I had just gotten an apartment on my own. I was living with my dad for a while, and then I finally got my apartment on my own in uh, kind of the Clearwater area. Okay. And within two weeks of moving in, my whole apartment building burned down. God (laughs) damn. And I it turned out to be arson really and my dad thought that maybe someone was targeting him and we have the same name (laughs) but it turned out to be (laughs) from what we know it turned out to be the the apartment that I moved into somebody had gotten evicted after like 10 years from living there and people had seen him circling around in the days leading up to it and then they definitely found that there was accelerant used um, in the fire and they never caught the guy, I don't think. For for all I know, I think he he skipped town or something. They were looking yeah. for him. He was the person of interest. Um but thankfully nobody was really injured. I think wow. I think like my neighbor tried to save too much of his stuff and like got burned in his arm just slightly and then his dog also like wouldn't come down the steps. Oh shit. But anyway, yeah. my, my apartment was like kind of the target. So <laughs> I, remember, I
0: remember you saying you like looked back once you got out and you saw the place literally yeah, engulfed. I literally like I you didn't were really, in there when it it was like fire? three a.m. Okay. and
1: I'll never forget because I had watched Donnie Darko that night, which involves a <laughs> big house fire, <laughs> yeah. and so I woke up kind of inexplicably around three a.m. and I ran to the the front door of the apartment and I didn't hear a knock or anything. I was kind of just like what's going on? I was like getting the days and I opened the door and my neighbor who was also a maintenance guy at the apartment was like, Hey, there's a fire. You got to get your stuff and go. And I was like, all right. And I went and got my girlfriend who was there at the time. And I said, Hey, grab your backpack. Like we got to go. And I didn't grab anything except my phone, wallet, keys, and a digital camera that I had sitting on the nightstand. And I made it by the time I made it back to the door, the whole stairs were covered. Like I wouldn't have been able to walk through these flames. This was like, I thought, oh shit. Well now we have to like think about jumping out the window or something. But thankfully the maintenance guy was like much more lucid and awake. He ran and got a fire extinguisher and sprayed it just enough to get it down. And my girlfriend and I just ran past. And by the time we turned around, which was like 30 seconds later, it had already spread all over the roof and like where we were sleeping was already like if we would have been dead if we hadn't woken up, you know, like it was the smoke inhalation would have been crazy. So we turned around and we were the first ones out, but we were also the first apartment to really go. And then it took another like, I don't know, 30 minutes or so for the whole place to burn down. Everyone started evacuating and it was only two floors. So it was kind of small. Yeah. But I remember kind of just being in shock and And like kind of laughing at the fact that like some of my stuff was still just in boxes. And (laughs) so it probably just went up in flames like super easily and all at once. And I was, I called my friend who had built me a custom guitar. It was a custom built guitar for my hands. And he spent a year making it, a year of his life making it. And it was sitting right there um, and I didn't grab it. And I, he was the first person I called at like 3 a.m. And I'm like, dude, I'm watching the apartment burn down and the guitars in there. And he was, like, super upset. And I was like, I think I'm going to, like, once they put out the fire, maybe I'll go back up and be able to save it. And he's like, dude, no, that that had a lacquer finish on it that hadn't even dried yet. Like, it takes months to dry. So he's like, if any flame got near it, it probably just went straight up in flames.
0: Oh, my God, dude. That's terrifying. Yeah. So, so what did you do after that?
1: I just sort of... uh I guess I sort of just started from scratch. I I mean all
0: your equipment, you had you had probably a lot of expensive shit. Yeah,
1: I had a studio and I had I had like cameras and stuff like that. Stuff I had built up, you know, in like over 5 years or so or more. And thankfully Well, okay, for, I also lost all my clothes. I lost Oh god. I, like stupid stuff that you wouldn't consider. Like I had I had like a pair of sandals that I was wearing when I left and then like the shirt that I was wearing. And then I realized like, I don't have any underwear. I don't have anything. So I think Salvation Army was there or the Red Cross or something. It was the Red Cross. They were there and they they were able to write checks for like 140 bucks to everyone that lived God. in the in the complex or in that building. So I went and bought some t-shirts and Damn. stuff like that. But I'll, I'll tell you what, the uh, as horrible as that was and traumatic and I was like, I would have, Panic attacks when I've smelt fire for like a couple of weeks
0: afterwards. Is there was still like a really bring this a little bit closer. to Oh, your. sorry, just the, you can you can like force it up a little bit. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
0: there you go. Yeah, you gotta like really tighten it. Cool, cool, good. Yeah, perfect. As bad as that was, it was
1: uh, kind of freeing to not own anything for a bit. Yeah, if that makes sense. Like
2: and just like to start clean, so a minimalist.
1: Yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. And and I think it kind of. Messed with my whole perception of possessions for a while But obviously, you know, you always build back up and get new stuff. So to answer your question my dad helped me get back on my feet with like the bare essentials Mm. and for me that was like some clothes and I ended up just like staying at my girlfriend's mom's house or something because it was close by like for maybe a few months and My dad got me a guitar and an amp like pretty cheap amp pretty Mm. decent guitar and like that's all I had I didn't really have like effects pedals anymore so Mm -hmm. I was it like kind of stripped everything down and like I was super lucky to even have that but it kind of helped me therapeutically just start from scratch and process the the weird emotions about the fire yeah like through music without without trying to you know, be cool or anything. I was just kind of like making music to have fun again or not to have fun to, to meditate and to, um,
0: process. Wow. Were you working at the time? Like what were you? Yeah, I was,
1: I was a freelance, um, production assistant in, um, TV.
0: And that's how you got into production because your dad kind of like brought you along and showed Mm -hmm. you the ropes and brought you on sets. He kind of just
1: brought me on set one day for a, uh, Kaboom commercial (laughs) and was like, introduced me to the production manager who I actually knew from when I was a kid and he was just like, put him to work. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. I just did what I could. And like, I didn't even really know how to like paint walls and stuff. And that's <laughs> what they wanted me to do. So I had to like learn like really basic things because I went, I didn't go to school for that. I went to school for more on the music side. So that well, stuff okay. didn't really, I, but at the same time I learned more about life and work and technology from just throwing, getting thrown into it right. trying to figure it out. So yeah, I was working freelance production as much as I could at that time and
0: were you doing a lot of um the kind of in the infomercial world or were you yeah, doing okay.
1: Big time infomercial world and like some more high budget commercials. Yeah. Um like all Florida based mm-hmm. stuff and it's kind of a hub down here for it is. infomercials. So I guess that has to do with it. Yeah, it definitely is.
0: After your apartment burns down, your dad helps you helps you out getting some new stuff. You have no clothes. Um, and you're just making music as a hobby. Like you Now you're doing it kind of like just as like a, a therapeutic thing to, yeah. get, to get through that loss. Or- well, it
1: turns out that I always was doing it as a hobby. But I think this is when it clicked as like emotional practice. Like mm. something I need to do rather than mm-hmm. I'm just doing it because it's what I like to do. And it kind of connected my life experiences to my expression and like that moment was when it kind of looking back that would be like the turning point of like oh now i'm making like real music like before i was kind of just doing the activity of making music and now i felt like i was making like what i would consider art right and that it was connected to the creator
0: more so for people who don't understand exactly how it works can you explain the exact process and how you make music like with the, with the uh, with the instruments and the and and the sampling and all that, yeah. Um, I actually
1: back then I really wasn't doing it this way. I was sort of always a one man band, but I don't really know if there even was that good of technology for live looping back yeah. then. So uh. what I would do is I would kind of just layer the shit out of guitar, and it would be as though there were eight guitar players playing at yeah. the same time, but okay. they were all me. Yeah. Like, so that's how I started, and that's how <laughs> I like. Like, that's how I got any kind of thing resembling a big sound back then, like in high school, even and stuff. Yeah. And so I was like always kind of starting on like a self taught method that probably wasn't the best way to do things. But I guess I did have a looper back then in 2009.
2: The red, I got, the red Roland the yeah, button, I think guitar I did, pedal one. I
1: think I did have that one. I, yeah, that was or, the one everyone had. Yeah, like the RC-20. RC or 20, something, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe I had the, the RC-50. Yeah. But that was... So what it is is you you press a button with your foot, okay. and it records what's happening, and yep. then as soon as you press it again, it just keeps looping that thing. It just keeps playing it over and yeah, over again. And yeah, and you can keep layering over it, and there's all kinds of options of tracks, and depending on what one you have. Mm-hmm. And now I've... I would say, like, f- five years after that, Boss put out a really special one called the RC-505, which is sort of the, the standard big one? now for tabletop loopers. It's yeah. okay. all hand-based, and that's kind of what I use now for everything I use. Um, for my infinite third sets, which are guitar looping and beats on the spot, mm-hmm. I use that. And then for mouth counsel, this other thing that I do, it's mm-hmm. really just the RC-505 and a microphone, and it involves other people and just voices. Okay, And so that's where I've gotten to since 2009. Mm-hmm. But back then, yeah, I was, I guess I was into more like,
0: I was getting into more ambient music. And I guess, I love the I, I, Like I told you when we, when I first met you, I was, I really got a AFX twin vibe from, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. he like his, he does the same thing. He'll go, he'll do his, his massive live sets and he'll just sit in the corner of the stage mm-hmm. with his little, with his little, whatever it is. Yeah. And then he just like makes little up and there's just like, Literally, there's hundreds of thousands of people in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And he's just sitting there just, like, in his own little world.
1: Yeah, and Aphex Twin is amazing, and there's a couple other producers like that that I would say that I am influenced by. Fortet, um,
2: just... Yeah. Th-
1: th- it takes a lot for, for me to, like, really get into an artist that's, like, kind of, like, leans more towards, like, the DJ world mm-hmm. because I, I feel like they you have to, like, really recognize their vibe that they bring, even if they're sampling or, you know... yeah remixing or whatever they yeah. always kind of have their their stamp of what they do mm-hmm. so yeah i think i think uh besides that i was listening to like sigur rose mm-hmm. um exposures in the sky uh mogwai and bands like that and i think that's i love Magwai. that opened up yeah mogwai is one of my favorite bands and i think that opened up that style of like instrumental music like epic instrumental
0: music for me mm-hmm. and so my
1: first album came out In December of two thousand nine,
0: the same year that your
1: apartment. Yeah, well, okay, well then I guess the, the ending of that portion of the story is that I got back on my feet after the fire, and, I think it was June. Well, no, yeah, it was June, beginning of June, end of May that I moved into a new apartment finally, and I kind of like was getting back on my feet in Clearwater. This is in Dunedin, okay, so close to Clearwater, and just getting settled in, kind of like building up my collection of items and furniture and stuff like yeah. that and slowly and then in june of 2009 my dad just passed away unexpectedly at the age of 50 so that was sort of heavy to like tack on to that moment it was obviously like Jesus, would have been yeah. bad on yeah. its own but like the fire was almost like really manageable yeah, and you know, yeah. i compared survived to, and, to that yeah. yeah and then you know when my dad died it was it was sort of like thing like it was like a lot of a lot of complication just around life at that point with uh even in my work and all how that old work. were you I was uh 22 I think I was 22 Fuck. I, I think I turned 23 in August of that year so yeah that was that was like the one-two punch of, of yeah. 2009 that I look back at as one of the most important years of my life, like not just for shitty reasons. Cause also at that time I sort of solidified what I wanted to do with my life with music and stuff. And without having much experience or knowledge or wisdom yet, I've, I kind of set out to like finish this album by the end of the year. And I was able to do that. It's called gently. The album's called gently. Mm. And some of it was being written even before my dad died. So I kind of just like, kept going down the Mm -hmm. you know let it keep avalanching down the hill once once he died it was like all i had to really like focus on that i cared about so i did that and um it was a pretty strong album i I still look back at it and i'm like damn there was something special going on because i can't even recreate some of that stuff now it's i don't know what i was doing but i think i was just so focused and zoned in on completing that task not even knowing how important it would be for, like, the future and, like, what I was building, but.
0: So, yeah. That album kind of, like, just, would you say that that album, like, reflects that whole year for you, like, what you were feeling?
1: It's, like, a, it's kind of a pretty deep-sounding album, like, emotionally, but it's surprisingly uplifting and uh, optimistic, which I guess you could say is how I felt in 2009, was, like, Mm -hmm. surprisingly optimistic in the wake of all that because it kind of, like, I feel like it kind of woke me up Whereas I, I, didn't really know what I was doing with my life so much. I kind of had like a vague idea that I wanted to make music and stuff. And I was kind of just going along with life. Yeah. And I think when those two things happened, it sort of like jolted me to like, th- just reflect on what I want to do and how I want to do that. And I'm thankful for it Just there wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today without going through all that shit.
0: Right. That, I mean, I can't imagine that moment when you find out that your dad passed away. I mean, it has to feel like it wasn't even real or like you were in a dream or something. It was just like,
1: yeah, I can remember the, uh, the morning. My dad was actually, he had a really bad hip. Not many people know this. He had a horrible hip and he got his hip replaced twice, the same hip. And it, and like his body was like rejecting it. And it like Hmm. the first time it just didn't work. And then the second time he got a staff infection Damn. and like it was, Pretty messed up, and then he had his third hip replacement where they told him this is the last one we can do. If it doesn't work, you might not be able to walk. Like fuck. So that Monday he was scheduled in the morning to to have this hip surgery, and then Saturday night he got in from doing all this traveling to the shoot last minute commercials before he was going to be down for a while, and he got in to Tampa Bay, Tampa Airport it's kind of a funny thing. You can look it up. His, Is that the video where the plane, his plane, the, the wheel, the wheel blew out on landing yeah. and like the suitcases fell out and he got hit on the head with his own suitcase or like other people's suitcases. Damn. And, and then they even interviewed him like local news interviewed him coming <laughs> off the plane. Cause they were like, Oh, notable local guy, Billy Bates was on the plane. And so he has this like really just exhausted look on his face. And I knew, I know what he's going into at that time. Oh yeah. And he called me and we had this long talk. He was just like, happy to be alive. and, he was talking about, like, we're just going to get this hip done, and then we're going forward with all these business things where I was going to help him with a lot of the kind of the PR stuff. With Oh, like, really? Basically, the website that I run now, org, is probably a version of what I would have made with him had he still been alive, was just sort of, oh, like, yeah. collecting his work. You know, that's kind of what it was. Okay. Because nobody was doing that. And so that happened, and then that night I was super anxious, not about the plane. I thought, whatever, the plane he got lucky and that happened. And yeah, right. I remember feeling like super anxious, just about the hip surgery thinking something might go wrong or whatever. You're worried right. about it. Might not walk yeah. again or something. Yeah. And then, yeah, totally. And then, um, mm-hmm. I was telling my girlfriend about it and I, I was kind of like panicky and I felt like my chest was like, you know how you, when you have anxiety, you're like, mm-hmm. you've, I started to get really worried that I, I had like, problem going on so I so to calm down I think I turned my phone off which I never did I turned my phone off for the night and went to bed we wake up Sunday morning and my girlfriend gets a call from her mom that says hey Billy needs to call his mom she can't get a hold of him everything's okay just call just call her (laughs) and I'm like okay everything's okay so I call her and she answers the phone crying and oh, man. basically telling me that they found my dad um, dead when he woke up or he never woke up that night. Oh, and it's funny cause he was traveling and he just made it home that night and he, he finally got home and then, and then died, which we all look back at as such weird timing. It would have been way worse if he had died in like a hotel room right. or something, you know, somewhere or, um, else out of state
2: or yeah. So
1: yeah, that was kind of just devastating. And then I was talking to, you know, a bunch of phone calls, Coming in that day and it was just a pretty surreal day it was
0: had to have been a surreal like couple months
1: yeah totally I mean it's a surreal life right, right, right. yeah <laughs> um, for sure. uh, yeah it's I can remember um, I had a Blackberry at the time this is my phone hmm. and like I had just gotten on Twitter maybe in like March of that year and it was just starting out and it was it wasn't really like a big thing yet but it was pretty awesome still to, like, be on Twitter. And I got my dad on Twitter. Oh, like really? maybe a month or two before mm-hmm. he died. We we actually found someone was doing a parody account. And then we asked that that kid if we could just take that account because he had gotten a bunch of followers. Did he have, like, the Billy yeah. Mays handle? He had real Billy Mays. Okay. So we, we wanted to get that because it was already kind of established. Is too. it still a thing? I think so. You can go on it. And it's <laughs> funny because if you look back at the tweets, <laughs> there's an undefined moment where before – this moment it was just this kid tweeting uh, what well, he no thought way. my dad would tweet <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a moment where people are it crazy. becomes actually my dad like i think i'm still in touch with the dude that's his name's sick. mark if mark's watching this oh, <laughs> we we're, were like connected on social media but like i think we maybe sent him some some uh swag or something But <laughs> that's hilarious um but then like my dad would tweet like kind of goofy things he would just be like it was always like Going to LA today, gonna shoot commercial. Thank you to all my fans. Like stuff like that. He was <laughs> From just, a Blackberry, it takes like twenty he, yeah, minutes totally. to type yeah. one and sentence. And he was a total boomer, like, just in general about this kind of stuff. Tech wise, he would like he didn't he didn't type, he typed with fingers, you know? Yeah, like just like pointer fingers. Yeah. And you know, it was amazing that he even was able to get emails from, for his work stuff and he didn't have an agent or anything. Like, I think, I think he had an agent that he worked some of the bigger deals with towards the end. Like he had the discovery channel deal and a few other bigger deals that finally just required an agent. But like he was doing so many handshake deals with his (laughs) commercials. That's sick. (laughs) That's hilarious. So anyway, the, the Blackberry thing is notable because (laughs) I, I actually tweeted within an hour of getting the news that my dad didn't wake up this morning because people were following me because of my dad mm. on Twitter. And it was like a right. pitchman thing The I was on the pitchman show on discovery channel. So we had like this little fan base that was growing yeah. and I was just trying to be like, you know, the in between cause my dad didn't really know how to interact. In a quick way so I would just do that So on Twitter I posted that And then I see it popping up on the news stations I was the confirmation That my dad and really it wasn't confirmation Because I wasn't verified or anything So (laughs) they just started running with And they were using that tweet as verification You'd see screenshots of my tweet on CNN And all this stuff And this was kind of like I feel like it's when we discovered This whole like Mass um, Mass grieving of celebrities was right around this time because it was Michael Jackson died three days earlier. Yeah. What on the twenty fifth? Yeah, and my dad died on the twenty eighth, and like literally in my last conversation with my dad, he's like, "You heard Michael Jackson died." I was like, "Yeah, that's crazy," <laughs> and then it became that, and then and then like, news
0: just like ran like just blew it up, like blew it up.
1: Yeah, Ed McMahon, Farrah Fawcett, uh, Patrick Swayze.
2: So like tweeting you and stuff. Well, or? no,
1: they were they were all dead. They were oh, they were okay. celebrities that died that that summer. Oh, and God. so that's that's why later on there's a South Park episode called Dead Celebrities. And it was the season premiere of one of the seasons where my dad was heavily featured in it. But it yeah. had all these celebrities in that's it, including sick. Michael Jackson. They're, they're ghosts. Yeah. They're like haunting oh my haunting the kids. God.
2: That's so sick. <laughs> it's, a, it's
1: amazing. And um, So, anyway, I somehow my tweet made it to Alyssa Milano, who was a big tweeter at the time. Okay. And she basically just said, hey, go give Infinite Thirds some love. He lost his dad today. And I and that was like a really nice thing, but I had notifications on and it literally bricked my my Blackberry for like six hours. I couldn't call anyone. I was at my dad's um condo. We had finally made it there. But as that was happening, the way the notifications came in, it's it wasn't really prepared up. for that many. And it was like I went from like a thousand followers to like fifteen thousand followers and like over a few hours. Yeah. So yeah, it it like I it kind of like made me not able to tell more people like my family and stuff, oh, which is funny. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a funny, like, that's how it, like, that's how it dispersed through the world was through my tweet. Yeah. And
0: that's funny how stuff works. Yeah. So it seems like you and your dad were really close. I did, yeah. Like, we were super close. Like yeah. super like personal and business. Seems like you helped him out with a lot. Of- I think that was where it was going. Like, yeah.
1: I was just like filling the role of while wow, nobody's really thinking about this stuff and I'm here and I care about it. So I should do that. And he was super on board. And, um, I, I mean, I did like travel with him. The last time I saw him actually was in LA. Really? Um, the week he died, he went on the tonight show with, with Conan O'Brien when Conan had a st- short stint hosting the tonight show. I tried finding that. I couldn't find that interview. Damn. Um, it was him and Anthony Sullivan. They were okay. promoting Pitchmen, and, a couple times before that he was on Jay Leno's Tonight Show. I saw that one. And that was cool, but I told him I don't I don't care to go for that, but if if you ever get on Conan, you got to find me out cuz I was like a huge Conan fan. Yeah. And I still am. And the minute he got booked for Conan, he just called me and he's like, "Hey, I'm getting you a ticket. Like we're going." That's sick. So I went out to LA, had this great time, met Conan, hanging out backstage and stuff. Oh, that's and so cool. That night we were all celebrating that moment and that was the last night that a lot of us saw him because then we wow. all went our separate ways and yeah. he went and shot all these commercials and so oh, yeah I, we were close we he was a huge supporter of like me doing music and stuff was he really yeah I, unfortunately he never really got to hear my my good music mm-hmm. yeah but he heard some of the stuff that i worked on in the years before that mm-hmm. and he was he was just he was just like unconditionally supportive of it you know And my mom was like that, too, and they are divorced since I was, like, three, but they both kind of had this, like, really heavy support just because I was the only child, and I feel like, I don't know. They were just good like that, and I lived with my mom growing up, so um, my dad was kind of, like, this traveling uh, I-see-him-when-I-see-him kind of thing. Right, right. Because he did the home shows, home and garden shows. That was, like, his thing. He was, like, a carny, (laughs) basically, like, (laughs) going and pitching on boardwalks and oh, traveling really? home shows yeah he would pitch products he would get a booth at these at these things like trade and, shows or yeah kind of like like uh but just like gadgets like okay for your home like you go and you look at refrigerators and stuff but you also look at like choppers and things okay. like that so yeah. when i was growing up when i was a baby he was doing the Washmatic, which was a hose that goes in a bucket so you can wash your car on the fly without having a hose nearby and you pump it and it yeah. uses like gravity to shoot water at your car. Oh, shit. And He was great at the demo. He like learned from the like the the veterans how to do this demo. Mm-hmm. And so there's pictures of him holding me as a baby and like oh, yeah. doing yeah. the thing at a doing train on, like a, on like a um, on a standalone car door that they bring in. To oh, do, that's they don't legendary. Bring a whole car and thing. Yeah. So they used to call him Bucket Billy. And I remember there's like shirts of him. Sa- his says Bucket Billy and mine says Little Bucket Billy. <laughs> find that. Um, so that was the product that I knew him for as a baby. But then when I was uh, closer to becoming a teen, maybe like maybe like 11, 12, he was doing the Salsa Master, which was basically a food processor that you'd crank with your hands. Mm-hmm. It's a great product. Huh. And I think it's still around. And his demo was just making salsa all day. And so I would hang out when he would come to Pittsburgh for the home show that would be like the, t- the most time that i would spend with him and i'd like bring my friend and he would buy us all these like x-men toys and <laughs> or whatever we we're into at the time wrestlers yeah. or star wars or whatever uh, and we'd we'd go on like a spree because he was just like trying to make up for not being around yeah another. yeah and we'd play in the hotel and swim and then during the days we would go and hang out at the home show and like hang out under the booth like playing with toys and stuff. Because no it wasn't that much space. Yeah. So it was kinda like ingrained into me what he did. Wow, it's yeah, cool as hell. And, and you could like try the salsa. That was like part of the, that was how you get people to come to the booth. It's like a free salsa. So making in between we would just I know, we would just eat this just salsa. It was salsa. like <laughs> it was amazing salsa. He'd make like a spicy one and a mild one. And my dad legit made really good salsa. Really? So yeah. And it was probably from making it so much with that. Oh my gosh. So that was like that was the times. Between the home shows, and then he lived in Florida, in Clearwater. We would come down and visit him in the summer sometimes for like mm. a couple of weeks. Okay, and so those were, that was the time that I saw him. It wasn't really like shared custody. It was like my mom raised me, and then my dad. I would just see him when I could. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, yeah. they always got along. And oh, that's good. Yeah, but yeah. So then we were we were close. We were. Uh, it, I guess what happened was then when I was eighteen and I came down for college it was kind of like the handoff and now mm-hmm. he was going to try to make up for some of the time yeah. that he didn't get to spend with me. So that's awesome. I moved in with him after college and really it's like for the last five years of his life, we finally got to become like friends and like, you know, best friends. And so I'm thankful that I got that time with him. Cause I think about it and I'm like, you know, I didn't really know him that well. I, I knew I didn't know him as an adult. Mm-hmm. And I got that time because I moved down here. So, what was, it? what was
0: it like living? With? Was he like a baller or what was his house? He, like He kind of like he thought he was
1: like, <laughs> I, I look at some of his financial decisions and I just think that was I, wasn't like, a good I one. can't, if I, if I get money like that, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> like what? Like, like he, he would like, he would like, he bought a pretty, by the time he made it, I think I'm guessing it was about five years before he died. And it's the house that I moved into. It was like kind of a mansion, like in uh, Odessa, Florida, he had it built and, it was a super nice house. It was like Florida style mm-hmm. house. I don't know if I like the architecture so much, yeah. but it was, it had like a movie theater in it. And right. what? yeah, like a, like a eight seat movie theater and like just <laughs> cool shit like that. That's and, so cool. but I think his, his like his stupid investments was that he would, he would lease cars. So he would always have like four cars at a time in the time. Like, and this only lasted a few years. He would have like a Bentley and a Range Rover and an <laughs> Escalade and like a BMW and like he would they all had different purposes. cars. Yeah, and he would lease them and it was like such an expense and like looking back it's probably why you know there was no huge fortune for me to uh, <laughs> for me to take when he yeah. when he died. But then again I think it was just his thing of like he I would love to so... see the Billy Mays cribs
0: episode. Dude, yeah, it would've been real. awesome.
1: He was he was so poor growing up and like just lived in the, in McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania, which yeah. is like a noteworthy town for like, you know, not good things Mm. and so i think he hustled so much and then when he finally got that money he he just wanted to like just enjoy kind of prove it and live it up you know and like enjoy it and and i think he just loved showing up at a place in a bentley right like then also being this down-to-earth dude he'd like let people check it out and i remember at his he got remarried when i was in high school and he had a rolls royce at the time he had a phantom and that was like he had like I think back then he only had like two cars at a time, but the phantom he had was probably the sickest car he ever had. Yeah. Um, I remember at his uh, rehearsal dinner for the wedding, they're coming out of, I think it's called Magianos down at uh, yeah. West yeah, Shore Plaza. The joint. Yeah. yeah. So they he, were coming out of there and they, the valet pulls up his Rolls Royce and everyone starts to realize who it is. And he was like pretty famous at the time. He spends like way too much time signing autographs for these (laughs) kids on this on his Rolls Royce Phantom. Like (laughs) signing it on them and like letting them get in and like letting (laughs) letting their parents check it out and like it just became this big scene and everyone's like rolling their eyes, like all the family and stuff, like, Oh, here he goes. Dude, that's awesome. So the shit like that would happen all the time. But (laughs) I think he enjoyed sharing like like, hey, this is what it's like. You can just like when you have luxury and then he would like try to Help people out and yeah,
0: and it's super let cool. them experience it too. That's amazing. You've uh done your part to kind of like from that point in 2009, you you kind of like made a decision that you're gonna obviously make a huge turning point, but you kind of like carried out his legacy or you kind of like it seems like you took the ball from there and you ran with it in your own way, you yeah. know, with the music, like with that new album. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I think I do find crazy probably things that people wouldn't really understand unless you like have my memories and stuff. But like, I, I feel crazy, like unexpected parallel vibes of his, his life at, at this age and mm-hmm. my life now. Really? And how I always thought, no, I'm not going to become a pitch man. I'm not going to be, right. I'm not going to do what he did. I'm, I'm more of an artist musician. Yeah.
0: You know, he was an artist and a performer in his own yeah, way. Totally. It was yeah. like it's super interesting.
1: Yeah. And, like, he wrote a lot of the commercials as well. Did so he really? Yeah, that was, like... Because, I mean, it was the, it was his pitch being distilled into, like, these little presentations. So okay. he was big on the wording of it and the demos. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always tried to, like, distance myself from it. Like, right after he died, I was like, no, I'm not going to go into that world. Because, like, a couple people thought, oh, you should, you should fill his shoes and, like, be a pitch man and, you know, try to take over for products and stuff. And, like, some people have asked me to, but nothing's really ever, like, excited me enough to do it. Yeah. But then I realized, like, I'm i do all this independent touring and i've built up my little merch setup and my my setup is essentially what he did i would i play music and that's my demo mm-hmm. and then after the set i'm selling merch and trying yeah. to like get to the next city which is exactly what he did except that his demo and his merch were the same thing it was like he's literally demonstrating the product right and it was kind of all in one where mine's a mine's a little bit more removed like it's more right. a performance and then you buy But like, yeah. that's kind of what his was too I guess so it makes me think that a lot of the times when I find myself alone in a city touring and like playing some weird show some weird basement show or something I think man my dad was right in a situation like this where he's at some, yeah. <laughs> some festival or, or not festival like a convention yeah. that uh-huh, yeah. like didn't really turn out the way he wanted He's yeah. just trying to make it to the next one hope that it goes well and like it kind of makes me feel connected to him you
2: know
0: definitely did, did you already have the name infinite third by that point or how did wh- when did you come up with that name and how did you come up um actually in 2009 i was going
1: by a different name and it was like so i look back and i just hate it cuz i think i was so i was so caught up in my feelings rightly so i was just like oh yeah for sure i was just like holy shit like i'm just feeling this and it's like grief and mm-hmm. you know so somehow in my haze of 2009 i came up with the name soft words traverse and it, did, and it was just like so dumb and like <laughs> I don't like it but I think it was just like I, I look back at a lot of that time as sort of like foggy yeah. even though the music was really on point like I feel like my life was kind of so- like foggy and I didn't really know who I was yet no. or like who I was becoming well, and it was just a tr- transitional period yep. so I went with that name for that first album and I think not even a year later I realized that's not the name I want to go uh, with and yeah. like I... um. I was I had this tattoo I had this infinity symbol tattoo mm-hmm. and I have a third symbol you know for the third and I think I was just like sitting somewhere and I committed to like infinite third like that should be the name and it kind of gives off like a duality of what I feel in me and it also is kind of confusing and doesn't make sense like <laughs> logically like infinite third so that's what I wanted in a name was something that was like a little intriguing
0: but also um, like had personal meaning it seems like you built in a lot of meaning to it. Yeah. <laughs> it, has, yeah. it has like so many meanings built into it. it seems yeah.
1: Like. Well, there's like, there's somebody came up to me recently and said that there's, there actually is like an infinite, like I always thought the third interval in music makes sense. Cause it's like the beginning of the minor interval, like zero to three in the scale yeah. gives a certain vibe. So I thought, yeah, people could take that and run with that uh, thought. But somebody told me that there is like a concept of a, an infinitely recurring third interval, which I guess there could be anything That's with cool. music. And right. So she went into this whole thing about like, you got to look it up, you got to check it out. And like, I've even had people play on it in press, like reviewing my live sets or my albums where they thought it was some sort of like physics term. <laughs> and like, and then it, it dawned on me that like my music with the looping, was set up to sort of always have infinite possibilities and just continue on forever yeah a loop is infinite I like that and like I can I can keep progressing it and I I improvise so many of my sets that I don't want to play the same thing twice too much you know I want it to always be a little different and let it be Mm -hmm. for that moment and not just something I'm like doing karaoke with yeah
0: I always thought because you painted the three on your forehead that it was like a third eye. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, like bad uh, in it, yeah. Like, yeah, that pick, works too. Take yeah, mushrooms and do whatever. Yeah, I
2: mean, <laughs>
1: one of my albums. Uh, if you look it up, I was just revisiting it. Actually, it's a it's a six part collection of albums <laughs> called the Exploratory Sessions, and you can find them on my Bandcamp. Yeah, um, they're all kind of like, whatever. They're all just super guitar-based, like spacey guitar um, improv- improvisations that mm-hmm. I then curated into these albums that look like sort of each one has its own little concept. Yeah, and I started like revisiting like how that all went down, and it was it was my first time like really diving into mushrooms. Really? And Hell yeah! Yeah, and it was a basically like five days at my apartment um, with a whole setup and with like a tv set up with like a vhs player that like glitches and like i was i don't know i was i, was, I guess sick. i was like trying to like you know expand my mind or like yeah. i was being invited to expand my mind and yeah. i basically just recorded and live streamed i have i re- I live streamed it on you stream back then really? like you stream you yeah. stream <laughs> and then i remember how stupid it was is that there it would be this like relaxing music that i'm live streaming and then like ads would just randomly <laughs> interrupt it and you couldn't pick when they happen right. so i it like really looking back i would like never do that now i would never want like a live stream to just be interrupted right be like yeah. in the middle of my set just like stopping the music at a random and point. play a commercial yeah. Yeah. yeah so um it was basically just three to five days of me not eating like huge doses of mushrooms but just like a steady flow of it and yeah, like to keep eating it going. eating some healthy food and like yeah And I didn't intentionally do it, but it was all recorded and it was all live streamed. So I took the recordings and started going back through them over a course of, I don't think they actually came out until like 2014 and this was probably 2011. Mm. So it took about three years to come back around and say, man, there's a lot of good stuff here. How can I present this? So I presented it as a six album collection. Um, called the exploratory sessions. That's so sick. And so it took place time. over six days.
0: You said? Yeah, about
1: I think it was about five days. Three, three to five days okay. on and off of. Just and you were just streaming on, for hours on shrooms the whole time. Uh, I, I guess I don't know. I feel like <laughs> when you do mushrooms, like at least when I do, like it, it sort of just. I just need a little bit, and it kind of like sets me off in a direction, and yeah. like.
0: I feel like you just kind of like teeter on the brink of, yeah, like I'm, I'm more of a micro dose. Yeah, you're and like not I like tripping really like, balls. That's, that's what I would street. do. I feel like I would be like too scared <laughs> to go through that fucking door. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, I've had some bad experiences. Have you in the past? Yeah, but not nothing like where I did anything crazy or just mental, like
0: where you did too much,
1: you think? No, not oh, too much. No. Okay, just just like the wrong heads. I always felt that when you do psychedelics, there's always a moment at least for me, this has been true to like really have the euphoric, like um clarity that come, that can come with that. Yeah. I always feel like I have to go through this period of like accepting death. And even if it's just like the concept of death. Yeah. And so maybe my mind gets all anxious and heavy and I think I'm going to die or I realize yeah. that I'm going to die one day or whatever version of that. And then like, through those clouds, there's, like, this huge clarity, but you kind of have to, like, get through it. So that's happened with me mm-hmm. a lot, is that, like, okay. I've had to first break through the the fear and then sort of, like, realize that there's, like, a clarity on the other end. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think I've ever had any, like, okay super bad um, experiences, but I think there's always, like, a little bit of a, a teetering on,
0: like, you it, know... But like if you're going to fall over on the other side of the fence? Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm afraid of. Like, I hear people that get, like, stuck... In that in that fucking well, state,
1: I, I do think that um, some people do huge doses of these types of things, and it triggers like and it's psychosis. Permanent. And yeah, you know, but it, but it's something that they already dealing with or already have in their, yeah. you know, oh, lineage right. or something. Mm. And so I do think that that happens. Uh, but that's why I'm like I feel like I'm super careful about it, and I try not to. I don't take it lightly. Like I <laughs> I I've, I've set it up as like a ritual if I ever do it. Like I try have to do it in like at parties or anything like that right yeah, i'm not into that but i like to kind of treat it as like a spiritual experience yeah, yeah for sure and thankfully i've stuck with that for the most part I, <laughs> I won't just take it if someone would give me something like that at like a festival or something i can't do that <laughs> i've always that been way too much I, shit out of
0: i've always been too much of a pussy to try it like if i smoke too much weed i freak out like i'm tripped like if i eat like a like an edible a brownie or something i've had like I will look in the mirror, and be like, "This was got to be what shrooms are like." <laughs> there, I think there is some overlap,
1: in, you know, in like in some really good weed. Yeah, yeah, they're
0: close. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try them soon. I'm gonna definitely try them soon. I'm just, yeah, I I'm would just really. Scared. I would just stay hydrated and okay, uh, yeah. yeah,
2: and uh, listen to some Infinite gonna, Third. You'll yeah, be yeah, all so right. Actually,
0: I'm people, gonna do people, people get- have hit
1: me up and said <laughs> I've, my music has guided them through like bad trips. And really, so like, yeah. And that that's, uh, that. that's probably like the best compliment. Like, I've forgotten all kinds of things about like. Obviously people doing it like for their yoga classes or whatever, um, putting on my music and then sometimes Being, like taking shrimps and doing yoga. No, 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 no. Oh, like, no, just doing pe- yoga. Different and ways to. that people have put on my music in like odd settings. Like oh, I've heard yeah, that yeah, my yeah. music's been played at like childbirths. <laughs> what <laughs> really? like, at home births? Damn. And uh, I always found like the, the couple people who have reached out and said, Hey, I went on a journey and like thankfully your music kinda anchored me. throughout the trip and Mm -hmm. i'm like yeah i I guess that's kind of what it's for you know it's like it's it's instrumental and stuff in the way that it is for a reason and it like has Mm -hmm. a certain abstraction for a reason it's not just like dance music or even though there are beats sometimes and stuff it's not the purpose has always been like catharsis okay um meaning like kind of going through like a a transformational emotional experience yeah my shows I do set out to kind of go through that for myself and in turn it kind of like lets other people feel that mm-hmm. in, the, Ride in the it with audience. you yeah and so I do have people come up to me after shows and it's like they say that they had some you know crazy um sort of like transformative moment emotionally during the set and I and I, it's weird because when that happens it's usually I also had that same kind of experience yeah. while I was playing like I was in a bad mood or I was like scared of something going on and like the music kind of like let me be free of that so i do i do find this weird uh shamanistic quality of my music like Mm -hmm. i wouldn't say that i'm a shaman i feel like that would be sort of arrogant to say (laughs) but i think that i have to facilitate my music i'm not just performing it usually i'm trying to facilitate something
2: for everybody including myself
1: yeah so i I try to be super mindful about it yeah like i don't want to just you know, puke all over everybody and just music push buttons, or, and yeah, make you know, noise, jerk off. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's a it's an intentional thing for me, and it's not always perfect, and it's not always um, exactly what everybody needs. But more often than not, it is what somebody needs at that time, yeah. and that's also because it's what I what I need. I think at that yeah, it's super
2: fucking cool. I
1: wouldn't re- I wouldn't really want to make it if I w- if it didn't have meaning, like right. That, you know, yeah, for so sure. It keeps me. It's how I knew that it should be like my career, and that it doesn't make sense that somebody would make a career out of like abstract experimental ambient music. Right, but the you're whole not time get I just like knew super rich probably off it. Right? Well, yeah, but I don't just, know, but then I realized over time that like it's not really about the genre or about the the specifics. It's more like, um, people.
0: This guy's fucking us so hard with this oh, the blower. lawnmower, fucking blower. <laughs> 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 fucking blower. That's all right. Yeah. fuck It's, it's okay. Uh, it's okay. We'll, we'll treat it as like uh, a, uh,
1: yeah. Well, now that we're mentioning it, I don't yeah. know what they're hearing. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. right.
0: Um, I got to figure out something this, I don't know. We'll figure something out later. <laughs> Honestly, I should sample that. Yeah, It's part of the moment. We're just going to live with it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway,
1: I, I think, uh, what I was trying to say was that I, I slowly realized over time, like I don't want to limit myself mentally to say, that I make some obscure music when I really, all that matters with any kind of art is that you're connected to it and you yeah. care about it and mm. you and you grow it like a garden, not just right. a fucking product. So I find that I'm being, I'm realizing more and more that it almost doesn't matter as long as I believe in what I'm doing, it's mm. going to, it's going to work and people are going to connect with it. So like I've been able to make way more money than I thought I would mm. from like, that's why I don't do as much of the stuff that I don't want to do. Right. And I do more like gigs and shows that, yeah are my music but i've had to get through a lot of periods of risk (laughs) financial risk of like yeah i don't want to take this like really like you know intense gig that i would make a lot of money on but it would just kind of drain me for weeks yeah i I had to start saying no to those the easier money or the more the more uh guaranteed money and say no i think a show is going to come up and like i had to get through a lot of periods of yeah you know borrowing and you know just doing what I can to get by. And it's then a, now I feel like I'm, you're getting it's my career now. It's a like huge I, I mental
0: struggle. That. It takes like a lot of, a lot of courage or a lot of balls to, to trade. You know, most people just trade their dreams for securities and, and like, yeah. okay, this is going to be more, you know, I'm going to make more money. I'm going to be able to raise a family, pay my mortgage. If I, if I do this and just dabble in this, but yeah. it, it takes so much like, nope, not that's why so few people do it. Dive into the thing that they love doing that makes no money. You know, it's it's a uh, Yeah, I, I don't mean it's know. not even to-
1: it's not even really like the way the the way the world's set up and the way capitalism is set up, like it's almost like <clears throat> it's already things are stacked against you and some things are stacked against people more than others and some people have more stacked against them than others. So I feel that I had a lot of a leg up just by getting to see my dad's rise and learning from him, getting the little bit of post Mortem support from him financially, which was like enough to invest in some gear, yeah, yeah. like I, you know whatever there was that, but it wasn't like a trust fund, right, and so I definitely have those kind of head starts, but I also feel like I didn't take the easy route of like just making trying to make music that's commercially viable, right, right. mine just for the dollar mine really hasn't been, and only until recently do I see that it could be. There is a a path for me to be um, abundant right. with it financially, but it's hard work. It's yeah, like you gotta sick. convince Definitely. people why that, <laughs> like why it's, um, why it's good or why it's yeah. worth listening to or why it's worth booking for your gig or your festival.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's hard because a lot of people don't get that type of music, and mm-hmm. you know it's hard for them. Like your the person booking and stuff to relate yeah. to shit like that. And, well,
1: and, thankfully I'm getting better at showing it and yeah. explaining it and collecting the right videos and mm-hmm. um yeah i think it's,
2: it's especially it's doing it live i'm sure better. helps yeah th- but they i think kind of see it and understand what's that's going what i was going
1: to say is that i think it's because once people see it or experience it then it's kind of like unquestionable what it right. is but it's really hard to describe like oh yeah it's this guy just like yeah you just play pressing song. a bunch of buttons with <laughs> yeah. his guitar and then like It's also really emotional and, like, people people sit on the floor with them sometimes and, like, (laughs) it's all really, like, sounds weird, but once you're there, it's just, like, it makes perfect sense and, you know, there's no reason to question it once you see it, but that's the hard part is, like, just getting out there more and more so people experience it.
0: Yeah, and you're also, I mean, you're also super fortunate that you didn't have, you know, a lot of people have parents that are just, like, don't waste your time doing this. you got to go do this. This mm -hmm. is going to make you money. You need to go fucking join the navy or go work at a bank go to college so you can actually be a functioning yeah uh human you know what i mean a functioning part of society
1: well but, my, my dad was more practical about right. that he would like he would kind of say like yeah you still got to get this degree and like yeah maybe one day you'll be able to do stuff with music but yeah. i hear where he was coming from i was just a kid you know and mm-hmm. i wouldn't think that i could have done it back then either but um little do you know that like His death was the thing that triggered me into being able to really do it seriously. Um, But my mom was just, she still is. She's like like the number one fan. And she just always, even back in high school, like I would play music really loud in the next room over. And she'd just be like, I love it, I love to hear it. Really? Yeah, that's awesome. And so, yeah, so I was really lucky to have parents that didn't just shut it down. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, and I did have like friends that kind of like, shut it down like ignored it or like thought that it was stupid but thankfully once you get out into the world like a lot of people will like move away from where they're from or something Mm -hmm. and like you kind of find people that like get you in a new light Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like that kind of thing where like you can kind of like reinvent yourself I think that kind of happened for me when I moved to Florida Mm -hmm. I was able to start reinventing myself but it took a long time
0: hell yeah have you ever thought about, like, collaborating with other artists? Like, I think the, one of the first things I mentioned to you earlier was, like, this hip-hop artist from St. Pete. Like, yeah. it would be so cool, like, to hear, like, you know what I mean, like, samples and loops, like, with, you know, collaborating with these vocalists that come on. Well,
1: I do it all the time, really. Um, Mouth Council is strictly collaborative. Okay. It's never just
0: me. Okay, so explain exactly what Mouth Council so is. So, Mouth
1: Council is, um, I mentioned it earlier, the uh, loop station that I use, the RC505 by Boss. Um, mm. It before that existed i had started doing this thing where i would um i'd be playing music myself and then like somebody would be around like a friend or something and they'd start singing along and i'd be like i'd want to include them so i would just like hand them a microphone and then loop what they were doing along with my loops and it was like fun it was like including them instead of just me playing right. at them and then as that went on like maybe i did it with like two friends and at one point it was just like hey let's do the thing where we just like we loop, loop, loop our voices. And so yeah. we started kind of like having fun with that with like a really primitive looper that just did one thing like start and stop. So there were no effects or anything cool that I could do. Yeah. And I would just keep layering over it. Um, so it turned into this thing where some friends would come over and we'd like sit around and loop. I would loop all their voices and we would all just kind of like do goofy things and it'd become maybe like somewhat musical. So once that... RC 505 came out I was like I need that like they yeah. announced it and I was like that's what I need for this yeah. activity and I got on like the waiting list for the pre-orders and I think I got it like the month it came out really and so I just dove into it and I was like let's do this and one of my friends one of the original friends who did that with me at one point he doesn't even remember saying it he was like oh, I love that I love when we do that it's like it's like some sort of mouth council and I was like, that's what we should call it. Hell yeah. And he doesn't even remember saying it, but like <laughs> that, I know that that was where the name came from, really? that one little comment.
0: So you had never seen anybody do anything like this before? Oh, people loop, you know. like and, it, But in the way you do it, in like a circle where if you yeah, pass the microphone.
1: Honestly, it was just a really natural thing. It wasn't even that intentional. It just kind of yeah. happened, and it was like people would naturally want to sit in a circle. It was like sitting around a campfire or something. Yeah. People want to do that. People want to so sit
0: in a circle. so like, I, hmm. really, I mean, I've seen, like, videos of, like, I've watched like little clips of it before, but it never really like captured me until I watched the full process of mm, what happens and yeah. what it sounds like. Freaking yeah. amazing, man.
1: Yeah. So back then it was a little, still pretty primitive. I would just kind of, we would do it and like hopefully it would turn into something cool and like, um, it kind of fit in as like a cool thing. It shows in between bands or something. Mm-hmm. I started doing that. And then I think some, some point maybe like, I would say four or five years ago, probably five years ago, it got, I got really good at the pedal just, just from, from using it so much I got intuitively good <clears throat> at it and kind of realized like this is a real thing that I'm doing like I should I should like focus on this and make it a project and I turned it into the mouth council like officially more and more and I would brand it and I made a logo and stuff and um still that's, that's what I do is like I look at my musical path as like half infinite third half mouth council they're two completely different offerings but they're kind of the same in that they're opposite they're Um, Infinite Third is like Me looping with myself And like super internal And like introverted And then Mouth Council Is me looping with everyone else Right The audience like Is the
0: performer Right Yeah
1: And I love that Like when I'm on a stage I get to bring people up On the stage And I just always trust That somebody's gonna wanna You know Be the center of attention Uh, Of course And like I get to Like it actually I love it because It lets me Sort of like highlight Other people Instead of just being uh, Making it about myself All the time So in some ways, like I'm the, I'm the facilitator and like the leader of it, but you know, I love the moments where it's more about someone just like gets up there and can really sing and they just kill it. Yeah, And I'm still mixing it like a badass over here. Like I, Mm -hmm. I admit that I do some cool things sometimes, but I think that. Some of it's so like playful and accidental that yeah. um, it's very organic.
2: Yeah, I try it's not just, like, to like freestyling. I try not
1: to let it get to my head because it's just like, <laughs> yeah. it's this like energy. It's yeah, not, it just comes together. It's like, it, it's because people are into it. I yeah. can feed off of it and just start turning knobs and stuff, yeah. you know? So it's not like some genius, you know, right. uh, thing that I've like written out and structured. It's, it's yeah. totally the opposite of that. It's like, I don't ever think about it, I don't plan it on purpose because when i do it can kind of like get in my head and like yeah not do it have you ever thought well. of
0: doing like an album like a mount like where you like where you do sequentially because obviously once you record them you don't mess with them they, they are what they are right that's what's so cool about yeah it. for the most part it, yeah. they kind of like live how they're produced live is how they end up yeah there are some s-
1: good live audio recordings that i've released on Bandcamp and stuff oh really like, yeah just like some decent like song by song uh live recordings. Like, I think it'd
0: be a cool concept. Like there's no mastering or there's no editing of the sounds of the audio. Like if the concept of the project was just like, I'm going to bring in track one, I'm going to bring in these yeah. people track two i I'm gonna bring in these people. And then I'm going to record it and that's it. Well, I told you, I really want to do like a, like a, a series, almost like round table
1: discussion style yeah. of like, cause, cause then from that, so I'd have guests, maybe like you guys would be guests on yeah. my thing and we would talk and make music together. And yeah. then I feel like from that, why wouldn't the audio of the songs be an album, you know? Right. Like right. That I, I, I see a, a version of that, that, you know, becomes, I already, I already look at it as a band. Like it's a band yeah. that has no boundaries. Like everyone's in it. Yeah. So I always tell people like you're in the band now. Like yeah. you're, you're <laughs> part of it. So mouth council is literally just me and everyone else.
0: And it's cool. Cause there's so many possibilities. You yeah. Can do with that with, yeah. that, with that idea. Like it's just, it's, it's fucking infinite. Yeah. Third. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, were you on did, uh, Drew Garabo show doing yeah, that? Yeah, I do Was that you? I've I've heard it
2: multiple times on there, but I didn't know yeah. who it was. Drew's awesome. Uh, That's sick.
1: I go on there maybe every two three months. Yeah, really. I just heard it, more it not recently,
2: now. like not that long ago. I know I did. I'm, I drive home from work and I hear. I listen to them on the way home every I day. I've heard like it a couple three times. Three weeks ago. Yeah, like, we, I know I heard it.
1: We he went and got all these like, uh, like staff of the radio channel yeah, yeah. and like brought them in. And they yeah. And everybody they made a sound. Into, yeah. And they passed it around and you know, there's always like a video going of, of their live stream. Yeah. That they do and, and Drew always raps. He's yeah, he pretty, does. He's yeah. a pretty good rapper. Yeah, he is pretty like, good. He just freestyles. Yeah. And, uh yeah, I love Drew. It's a, That's, sick. it's always a great time going on that show. Could I we do it if we had like one head. more person there? Like, I mean, One, we, two, we, three. Could, we could do it like this. You need more, though. It's just, like, the vibe's better the when it's, like, it. maybe, With like, more. five people. I, yeah. I think that's, like, my magic number is, like, yeah. five to eight. Okay. And also, like, if it gets too many in the in the actual circle. Yeah. Like, I like there to be, like, a circle and then, like, people standing around yeah. or, okay. you know, out in the crowd. Yeah. But once you get to, like, 10 or 12, it can get a little weird in that some people
2: don't. Some people freeze up. And
1: yeah. And I and totally promote. Passing it If you don't want to do anything Yeah and Somebody's going to like Judge you Because you couldn't like Figure it out Make a sound I don't Sometimes
0: really, somebody Will fuck it up Somebody will like Put in some, some They'll be like They'll they'll feel I mean yeah. you don't no, want to say no, there, that there it are. fucks up the energy when I you would say, say that, sometimes yeah. There's someone that
1: Kind of go, Goes into business For themselves yeah. And <laughs> just like Screams into the mic And like tries to pl- you know. Like plugs their website Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I'm actually Kind of down uh, okay, for it okay, Like okay. I, I can totally I have enough control That like I could cut off The mic if I really need to If they start saying Some obscene shit Yeah yeah but also, like, sometimes someone will do something really shitty into the mic and it's, like, distorted and weird. And I'll still, like, tweak it enough to bring it back and make it, like, right, some a funny thing on it and then I'll delete it. and yeah. Like, yeah. So it don't make them feel, like, left out or, like, they're, like, assholes for making mm-hmm. a weird sound. Um But sometimes it'll go around and not enough people will have done something, like, musical. It's almost like it's adding up the wrong layers. Not yeah. wrong, but, like, the... Layers that don't mesh well. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes, a lot of times, my contribution is that by the time it comes back around to me, I'll add, like, a heavy snare or something. It makes it, like, groove differently. Where some people won't do that that whole time. So we're sitting there waiting for everyone to kind of get through their piece. Yeah. So I try to, like, mitigate that by not having too many people. But there's inevitable times where there's, like, 15 people in the (laughs) circle. Sometimes I'll just, like, ask for the mic back real quick, and I'll say I'll give it back to them so I can add some hi-hats or something. Yeah. But um, yeah, like one of the weirdest gigs that I do is um, first night St. Pete, the New Year's Eve celebration, okay. oh, like yeah. the family friendly New Year's Eve celebration at uh, Straub Park, yeah, downtown. Uh, they they hire me to come do a, like a little mouth council zone, and last year it got a little crazy because it was just <laughs> kids, it was just all kids, oh god, yeah, and like maybe a handful of like people who might have been drunk stumbling by, yeah, but. It was kids,
0: like oh, but like it's crazy with kids, drunk people.
1: Kids are great. Kids are better than drunk people sometimes. Yeah. Like kids are like they're uninhibited, like drunk people are. <laughs> but kids are actually pretty creative and like. Drunk what do you people, mean when you say
0: kids? Are we talking like like children? all ages?
1: Like this was there was a girl there, a little girl, right next to me. She stood up. She was like she. You could tell she was just like mesmerized by what was going on. And I think she was probably three. Okay, like <laughs> probably the youngest that's oh, ever yeah. like. Voluntarily walked up and done it, and I gave her the microphone, and she started singing. And what like, oh, and like, sick! It wasn't like Whitney Houston singing, but it right. was like, it was like really listenable singing. Yeah. and everyone was cheering, and she probably didn't even understand that they were cheering What's for going her. On? Like yeah. th- it was, it was that kind of moment. And then, like I found out, her brother was sitting right next to her, and he was also like having a blast doing like, <laughs> kind of like, almost rapping, but yeah, it was, it was like scat yeah so we're going around and th- this was just like nonstop. there was no structure to it i wasn't limiting who could come in so we had like 25 kids around oh, sure. and they're all trying to get their moment and like everyone's having fun but musically it was it was a mess. at times it was you couldn't listen to it yeah, it was just yeah.
2: annoying you know yeah, just noise but on, everyone right. had fun yeah you know so Shit, that's all that matters sometimes
0: man. i want to play one clip yeah. so we can add it into the podcast so we can like have a. Uh, oh this is the uh is
1: this the one? Who- it's the one we did it with the mayor. He wasn't in it. He was okay. watching
0: though. It's the mayor's lounge, Mayor
1: Kreisman. Oh, Okay. Um, I I got to pick four friends to come and be the performance on this web series called Mayor's Lounge. Okay. And that's right in St. Pete. Yeah, this is the Hideaway um, on Central.
0: That's sick. So you got four four people plus you, and you're like beatboxing. Yeah. To start it out, just to get the beat the yeah, vibe yeah, going.
1: Yeah. And I I strategically placed these four people because I, I knew Zach right here we kind of come with like a, a funny but musical musically good sound. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's like his his specialty, one of his specialties.
0: Oh, my shit's going green like that.
1: And then uh yeah, I had my friend Senyo who's like he's actually the lead singer of Bangrang um, oh, from really? Tampa, so I I got him to get out there. You can see how sweaty I am. <laughs> Which happens a lot. I've broken loopers because I've sweated into the faders. That's my third. <laughs> oh, shit, That's my really? third machine, yeah.
0: Because uh, the water will mess it up. But could you imagine like Rod Wave sitting there like, yeah, singing sick. one of his songs and then yeah, somebody well, else beatboxing and then him yeah. mixing it and then like the girl throwing in her stuff? It's
1: always really special when there's a rapper that knows how to freestyle because
0: oh, yeah. he build this beat and then, and then
1: they just I have a way over. of mixing once they start rapping that cuts it out at the right times i'll put like an octave on his voice to yeah, make it like and drop know, it out satanic you know for like certain lines yeah and, stuff. and like that's my favorite thing is when someone just goes goes off and then i can like put a filter on and, like cut out the beat at the right moment right bring it back and yeah because i kind of vibe off that person doing that yeah
0: definitely if you had like a got a link like, rod at wave up with them yeah if you had the like, rod wave and then like a death metal like a corpse grinder right yeah like <laughs> <the ring-trap laughs> doom in. That's a, that'd be a beautiful yeah the insane yeah
1: do do mouth counts with me all the time really and they're amazing and yeah they're like two of my go-to people for if i need to make like a really good musical mouth council because they'll come through with like some catchy hooks and they're both really good rappers and they'll just kind of like capture the moment with me that's sick and there's a lot of people like that but yeah you know we have our og crew i think that i i would hit up for things like this for Mm -hmm. the mayor and stuff
0: and yeah what kind of like, so what kind of shit has this led to? Like you've said, you've done like a bunch of good corporate. It's yeah. like led to like team building just activities to, for brand yeah. like companies. Just
1: yesterday I did it um, for a bank for their management party. Um, at like 10 a.m. I was doing mouth council with a bunch of people. To just formally. <laughs> a bunch of bankers. <laughs> yeah. They were super into it. And it was like, like the, the more like higher ups were super into it, trying to get everybody to, to like let loose. And mm-hmm. um, it was really fun. There, You'd be surprised there aren't too many situations where people aren't like down to down to clown, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause it's so, it's such a super, like it's like I, super immersive. Yeah. And I try to let people know that you can't do anything wrong. Like right. you're not going to, you're not going to ruin it. If yeah. you do something weird,
0: Right. we're just going to keep moving. Yeah.
1: And so it's imperfect in that way. So it doesn't make you intimidated and think that you have to be American idol to, right. to right. participate. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's like my uh, my comfort zone. <laughs> it's like is being really? in there and like having to just answer to the moment of like people are looking for this to be musical. Let's make it into music and like take chances. And I do a lot of like flipping the beat and like raising the tempo yeah. slowly and like turning it into something else. Right. And, like I think that's kind of what sets it off. Uh, I do take credit for that. Like my job is to not make it just loops Right, over right, and over again. It's changing it up and right. bringing things Switching in it and up, out adding and effects and, yeah, in and having structure to the songs, ending yeah. the songs at the right time right. so yeah. that it feels like a complete song. Right. So and so it's not just like goes on forever and ever. There is a time where I'll I'll feel like I can go for like twenty minutes and I just do because it's yeah. a party or something. Yeah, where people just yeah. want the music to keep going. Yeah. So and on on the flip side, when I do Infinite Third, it's like a four hour long song. Sometimes, <laughs> no, right, right, I, right. Not not a four hour long song, but it's a it's a seamless song to song they all kind of blend into each other yeah i don't really like stop for applause that much and even when i do i like to just kind of like oh really and, you like,
0: just like make some kind of like long piece and pretty then you much chop yeah. it up into tracks no for infinite third and just for my performances it.
1: it's like it's happening forever like there's like little droney interludes that connect every song i try okay. not to make it like okay now a song's over like every right. once and in a while stops, be that like, and again. Again. yeah so i like to kind of keep the the hypnosis of it yeah. going so that it doesn't kind of kill the vibe. And then also like, I just, it creates a really reflective environment at the right setting. Like when I play for like say a grassroots kava house for like four hours, yeah. which I'm doing on, you know, a, an upcoming Friday. Yeah. I just kind of install myself in there and people just come and go and hang out and talk or not talk and do whatever. And it's, it's a really good environment for that. So when it, when it stops, people are like still kind of in the zone and they're ready to just like, keep
0: getting in the zone. So, just That's keep it awesome. going. And then what's the other thing I want to talk about? Oh, yeah. the Billy, Oh, yeah. This, org. Yeah. So tell me, what is it true that this was, we were talking about earlier, this was the website that you had created for your dad? Not not quite.
1: What I mean is that um, I was the only person in his circle at the time of his death or the the years before his death that said, hey, why don't you have like a website and why don't you like have a presence where you can talk to people who are like fans of you and, like, why aren't we connecting with these people more? And right, like, right. You know, sending them autographed photos and stuff. Because and, he was big into that. He would carry around autographed photos Are you in serious? his suitcase. Are you serious? So, like, people would just get a picture with him. And he was always down to pose for a picture at the airport. So if I, would, I would travel with him. And we'd have to, like, stop every minute to, to like, take a photo. I would uh-huh. take a lot of the photos mm-hmm. and, like, get their information and yeah. send it to him. At the time, it wasn't so connected all the time. Yeah. But um, he would bust out these these photos that he would sign and, and give them to people. And it was like kind hilarious. of a bonus. Thing. It was kind of over the top in a way, but yeah, like he was just like, Why he not? loved it. Yeah. He liked connecting with the people. I, I always noticed that he, he would actually care about the people that were interested in meeting him. Like mm-hmm. there'd be a second of like, yeah, I'm that guy, blah, 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 take a picture. And then he'd be like, what do you do? And like, i would see him get into all these like really genuine conversations with just really? your everyday person who just was a fan for a minute. And like, that was something I really looked up to yeah um, just in who he was as a person because he was kind of like that with everybody he would on the on the set he would he would talk to like all the crew members and like he was never like too good or anything or yeah. he, was, he was just kind of like one of the one of the guys and yeah so anyway I always thought well why wouldn't we connect digitally and like make it happen and so he kind of like agreed to that by the time he died and I was basically envisioning what it would be and where we'd put all the videos and yeah. how we would do it and stuff and like a welcome video like hey welcome to my website this is 2009 so like, you're
0: like the Billy Mays creative director yeah I would have <laughs> been I, I,
1: I was and I, I guess yeah now I actually am now you literally literally yeah. are so i what I mean is that like when he died I knew that I wanted to do some non-profit work mm-hmm. like under his name as a tribute mm-hmm. but I never really knew how and like I didn't really have the resources to just like start doing charity. I didn't have like tons of money to donate and stuff yeah. like that. So there wasn't anything that was obvious. Mm-hmm. So there were a couple iterations of me trying to figure out how to do this nonprofit thing. And then over the years, I think it I became more mature and I learned things and I kind of decided that I can tell his story, kind of like pay tribute, have like these fun, you know, posts and meme collections yeah there's a hit. whole
0: a whole page on this website Billymaze.org that's dedicated to memes yeah like people
1: tag me in memes all the time and i just like rip them and put them up here yeah and,
0: um, there's a ton of billy Mays memes and i
1: want people to send me them because they still exist and it's so yeah, funny yeah. that like so funny that people are still making them and you know they've even evolved since his death in some weird way but um and and just like references when people see him referenced in something and like he's been in, he's he was on he was in uh, Better Call Saul. Like he really? like that came out like years after his death. Really, there was an episode where um, the sp- the Breaking Bad spinoff. Yeah, Mike, Air- Airman Trout is yeah, yeah, yeah. breaking into someone's house, like the classic type of Breaking Bad scene where, you know. An assassin's coming in, like oh, yeah. silently into someone's yeah. house, but like there's a TV playing. Yeah, and so the TV was playing, and my dad's commercial was on. No they shit. Had to, like, they had to like get it cleared and stuff. That's sick. And yeah, so there's like moments like that. He's in a couple movies like that in that capacity mm-hmm. where he's just on the TV in the yeah. in the movie. But um, yeah, it's so. Any of that, I, I definitely like welcome. Yeah, to oh, me, cause for it's sure. like I'm like I'm the sole Billy Mays historian, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> trying to keep track of what, where he appeared and what happened, and yep. uh, what work he did. And I'm still trying to find all his commercials, there's like a million of them. Oh, i trying yeah. to find them all, and a lot of them are only exist on
0: tape and I like really? on oh, VHS tape somewhere, yeah, yeah like yeah. in a vault. Yeah, how, yeah. how many if you if, if you were to ballpark like a number on how many commercials he's made, how many would you say I don't hundreds, know. thousands?
1: Yeah, I mean if you really break it down into the different versions of each one, it could get into the the high hundreds, early thousands, maybe. If you're like, (laughs) if there's like a 30 second one, a minute one, a 90 second one, like there was all that stuff, but I would say hundreds and product wise, I I think, I don't know, like 60, 50, 60 products. I don't know. Like there's a big list, maybe not that many, but it's a lot when you look at it. And some of them were bigger than others. And Mm -hmm. So I I eventually realized that I can like combine those two things, like paying tribute to him and like kind of having the fun of, you know, sharing this stuff with people who still care about him and also do nonprofit work. So back at the beginning of 2019, I connected with my friend, Mike, who owns the Dunedin Brewery in Dunedin, Florida. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like Florida's oldest microbrewery. Uh, he had always been down to do something like this. And we finally just like decided what it would be. And it would be a a tribute beer because they had done a few other types of tribute beers over the years. Yeah. And so it, it, it it also has meaning because my dad actually lived in Dunedin for quite a while. Oh, Cool. So um, they brewed this sort of orange IPA and we just decided to call it the Billy Mays IPA And and it was released on the 10 year anniversary of his death. Really? Uh, June 28th, 2019. And for the first run, we only did it as uh, on tap at the brewery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like a few other local places had a keg of it just like for fun. Mm-hmm. But um, when you go to the tasting room at the brewery, which is awesome, by the way, and they have like amazing food. I've never been there. I need to go it's a there. Great, all their yeah, beers it's cool. are amazing. And I don't drink like tons of beer, but I've never had like a bad beer from Dunedin Brewery. Yeah. Yeah. So on June 28th, 2019, we... We drop the beer. And uh-huh. in the tasting room, um, every pint that you buy, dollar fifty from each purchase, it, it hasn't even happened yet, is getting donated to The Laundry Project, which is a charity that I chose to partner with, which is Tampa-based. And I thought it was relevant because of the laundry thing. Right. And um, they do free laundry days, pop-ups at um, <clears throat> laundromats, all in different cities and communities. Nice. And I vo- pay I, for everyone's laundry? Yeah, I volunteer with them sometimes. It's so awesome. They just, like, they get a team there. They bring soap and quarters That's and donuts wild. And coffee. And they just advertise that like you can come today and get your laundry. Free for laundry. Free. So it costs a lot to, to do like tons of people laundry. Yeah. But it, you realize how how efficient you have to be. Like they have to plan it out so that like everyone's keeping track of who's stuck <laughs> and what. Okay. So they put names on the thing so that it can keep going because it gets pretty filled pretty fast. And you yeah. still oh, want to get I'm as sure. many as you can. It's, so it's a really fun time. And so um, we just finished the first batch of the IPA, um, and they're working on the second batch right now, and really? we're about to make a, the first donation to the Laundry Project, so cool. which I don't know how much it's going to so be. So we can there. literally go know, to
0: like, the brewery and buy it. Not
1: right now. It's sold out right now. It's so, sold out? Uh, yeah. So the first batch sold out, I think, maybe like last month or something. So okay. it lasts about three months okay. or something like that. And so we're working on what we're going to do for the second batch, and if we're going to try to make it different it might, might do cans might okay. do a can release
2: yeah. that, that would, would be, be cool sick, yeah man. So, so i, I would like cool to work on it i
0: would like to take it further and each can have different art on it a yeah. different billy mays meme <laughs> on there oh my god dude that would be so <laughs> that would be awesome. sick yeah. i'm into that that's cool
1: <laughs> i, I want to do like i want to do like a big event that's like a can release fundraiser yeah. that yeah. has bands and you know shirts and <clears> just auctions and art auctions and stuff because i I own a lot of billy may's art that people have made over the years really oh yeah like cool little paintings and stuff (laughs) and i like big paintings as well so i imagine one day i'll be able to possibly use those for a
2: good yeah put a little gallery and sell them sick man
0: yeah well cool dude thanks so much for doing this yeah hell yeah thanks for coming what uh tell people like the the main social media links or Or where they could find you where they can find you you online
1: yeah uh at infinite third spelled out t-h-i-r-d um on Instagram and Twitter and uh I have Facebook pages and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But really just you can find me if you search Billy Mays the Third, I I I mm-hmm. you'll find all my stuff. Uh yeah. I have tons of albums on Bandcamp and on iTunes and Apple Music and Spotify and all that, uh, under Infinite Third. If you wanna check out the mouth council mouth council stuff, it's uh pretty much best to just like go on YouTube because there's not really
2: much like just music. it's it. more videos and mm-hmm. stuff but yeah hell I'm, yeah, a, I'm always
1: around I'm always touring I'm trying to go to more cities in 2020 do you uh, post the dates up on the website yeah. and stuff yeah infinitethird.com okay. always has all the dates including mouth council dates okay. with uh, links to um, event pages and stuff like that yeah. so I, I, I personally keep up with it and I type it out every awesome. couple of days I'll update it <laughs> hell yeah so dude. yeah I'm super reachable if people want to try to contact me and uh, collaborate or something like that just yeah. hit me up Cool.
0: Dude, I'm super pumped for uh for Saturday. Yeah. Come out there and check it out. Yeah. Cool man. It's gonna be fun. All right, dude. Thanks again. Cool. Thank
1: you.